Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome to another episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you by Royal Lakes Golf Tours. Have you ever wanted to play golf at St. Andrews? Have you ever wanted a perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Or dreamt of playing at Valley Bunyan? Royal Lakes Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable experiences in Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They're immersive cultural and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Lakes Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum, Jeff Bartholomew. If you'd like to play St. Andrews or Bally Bunyan or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are live for another edition Bearcat Brunch coming to you after the 16th straight Cincinnati victory in the battle for the victory bell. Final score 38-17 on the banks of the Ohio River. Lovely Paycor Stadium. Nice, sunny, hot, mid-September day. Good morning, Jeff. How are we? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, you're trying to really dress up what is an awful venue for a college football game. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. We'll get in, we'll get into the, the elements of that and the, uh, what I would call a lackluster game day, uh, in game experience hat tip right off the bat to everybody at UC. We can argue about what songs we'd like to hear at, uh, at least it was, enter- it, at least it's entertaining. That was not, uh, but anyway. Bearcats, like I said, 38-17. Another win. Yeah. Move the record to two and one on the season. 60-59 uh, and seven in the uh in the yes. series. Yes. For for all those that haven't heard, it's the first time they've had the, the lead in the series since 1915. I feel like that 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 stat has been said more than a couple times. I think it gets said a lot just because it seems so like it seems so ridiculous that UC hasn't led in this series since then. Right. Because and it's taken 16 straight wins for them to take the overall series lead. Right. Or, there were clearly some lean years in in there uh, at some point in time in, in this series. Well, considering Luke Fickle is going to become the winningest coach in UC history this year, uh, barring some kind of craziness, and he, it hasn't taken him all that long to get to that number. Uh, no, 6-0 against Miami, got his 50th win yesterday, so uh, on the right track. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining. So, uh, we, as we do every episode at the top, just kind of what is your big takeaway from the UC win? Um, I, I actually, I just wanted, I want to put this out there. Ben Bryant, 26 for 35, 337 yards, two touchdowns and an interception that was kind of a tip ball. It it is what it is. McClellan, 18 carries, 101 yards and two touchdowns. And there are people on Twitter that are going like just off the rails saying that those guys need to be on the bench, that those aren't the guys that we want on the team, on the first team. People need to realize that whenever teams get – to the level UC's at and get to the level UC wants to get to, there are going to be guys on the bench that are good enough to start. 
but maybe they're not better than the guys that are starting or being featured more. I think some of those people were sitting three rows behind me. You just gotta, you have, like, yes, Corey Kiner is good. Yes, Evan Prater is probably going to be very good. But right now, it's these guys, and they aren't doing anything to say, put me on the bench. So why are we still seeing this crap? I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not into like scolding people. I mean, you have your opinion, right, wrong, and different. Like, I'm, who am I to tell you like, oh, no, that's absolutely wrong. I'm, I, I try not to get into that. The thing that, that I do want to kind of say along those lines is it feels like everything maybe because of last year, maybe because of the last few years, whatever you want to call it. Like it feels like some things are being held up to perfection. And one, that's just, I mean, it's not really obtainable, especially in college. If you look around the entire sport, like there's about two or three teams that shoot for true perfection. And I just think we have, and we as some fans, just have selective, not memory, but selective talking points. Like the interception you mentioned. I don't think it was a great throw. Ben would probably tell you it wasn't a great throw. It was probably a little bit late. It was behind. Hit the receiver in the hands. Should he have caught it? Maybe. He was getting hit. Like things happen. Interception. We want to harp on that. But has anyone talked about the damn seed? Perfect ball he threw to Tyler Scott for a 41-yard touchdown. No. Like, like, I just, yes, I get it. Like, turnovers, bad plays get amplified. They're more, I guess they're more, gra- like, maybe it's because people don't really understand, un- truly understand, like, some of the intricacies of play calling and play development and what a guy's supposed to do and not supposed to do. And so when there's a turnover, you just instantly are like, well, that was just a bad play. So that, you know, get him out, whatever. He's, he's no good, blah, 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 whoever the player is. But, like, I just – there's not an equal balance of, like, you know, Ben starting 12 for 12, Ben doing a really – in my mind, a really good job of letting things develop. Like, he hung in the pocket a lot yesterday. And granted, they took three sacks, and I think part of that is on this, what I would call, again, a very aggressive passing game plan. And some of those things are just going to happen. But, like, understand that some of the throws he's making are to second, third, fourth reads, or back to a first read even, when a guy crosses and be- and becomes open and dude hung in there yesterday and, and, and waited on guys. And as Chad and Aaron talked about last night, again, a bunch of 15-plus yard throws. Um, you know, I guess I'm just – I have a hard time listening to anybody, regardless of opponent, that wants to talk about, you know, replacing someone that is, is you know, 75% for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Like, what what is your expectation then? Like, what are you, what do you think should be happening? Like an 85% passer with zero sacks, zero interceptions, like, Every read is right. Every throw is on the mark. There's no incompletions. The other team isn't trying. Like I, I guess I'm just trying to to grasp. Then if that's not good enough, then then what is? I guess what is good enough then? That that's what I was trying to get at, and and I get it. Like 
with like the running back situation because I've said it here and I've said it on part of the function. I've said it on numerous places that I feel like our running back core really is kind of plug and play as far as like depending on the situation and whatnot. Like you can pretty much pull each one out, put the other one in, and you're not really seeing. You're going to get a different style back, but you're not really seeing any drop off. Um, it just kind of surprised me that yesterday was the day, and I like I guess because Kiner didn't, you know, he had seven carries, like thirty yards touchdown. Um, I guess it was just more so because yesterday it popped up everywhere on Twitter alongside the Bryant things, like the, and I I see over here like there, who is it? Uh, Scott was saying that it's like a Cincinnati high school thing. Like I went to or Keith above him said it's a Cincinnati high school thing. Um, I went to the same high school that, that Evan Prater went to, and I can't wait to see him play every day for the Bearcats. And I hope he stays with the Bearcats, and that, that's a thing. Um, but you have to recognize that what Ben Bryan is doing is working. It's, I mean, it's more than serviceable. And like you said, I mean, he starts 12 for 12, but really 13 for 13 if Mardner's toe is like a half an inch inside the the uh, the end zone there which it wasn't so then completion but like i don't know what anybody else what like what you could want out of a quarterback than what ben bryant's doing i think a lot of people might be hung up on the first half of the arkansas game maybe i i don't know he had a bad half he's played pretty darn good in the second half of that game in the first half of the kennesaw game and yesterday against miami i i do want to to bring scott mentioned you know, I think people are much more frustrated with the lack of reps for Corey than Ben starting over Prater. And and I get it. Like, I think Chuck had a pretty mixed bag yesterday. I mean, he, he ran the ball pretty well, but he, he had a fumble and he had a, a drop that could have resulted in a, you know, should have resulted in an interception that was dropped by their, by their guy. Um, I feel like the running game is still just like something's just, you know, not quite click. Like they'll bust a good run. They'll bust a, but there's still too many, you know, I'm feeling like there's still too many sh- no gain type one yard type yeah. plays. But again, like technically two fumbles because of the muff punt also. Oh, on the kickoff or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but like, I think coach fickle even alluded to it after the game. Like he wasn't exactly sure why Corey yeah. wasn't in more so. You know, I don't. I don't know. I mean, we don't know what is going on, like in game. If a guy is tweak something, tweak something, not feeling good, they just they feel like Chuck is doing the right things on the plays that he's not getting the ball. Like, there's so much that goes into it that it it's hard for me without knowing the game plan, without talking to anybody, to go. You know, why didn't you play Corey Kindermore? I just I don't know. Like. If if core you know if everything was good, I mean, granted they still only ran. I mean, Chuck only carried about eighteen times, so it wasn't like they were running it a ton. Um, but I, you know, it's hard for I just try. It's stuff that I try not to get into because I just don't know. Like I feel like, you know, that's Sam S isn't that fixed job to find out why he isn't in there. It it doesn't work as much like that. Like the position coaches manage the rotations and the players and he might go and ask like 
what's up with Corey, but he's also maybe not going to say in a post-game press conference the truth, you know, if it's something that he doesn't want out there. Like, the head coach is, is way into, like, the intricacies of the game itself, clock time, down and distance, all those things, to pay a ton of attention to, like, who's going in and who's coming out on a play-by-play basis. Um, you know, I'm still going to, you know, the offense to me is, it was a weird day. Like at times not, could not be stopped. Three, three touchdown drives over 70 yards had several other drives that, you know, were in the 35 to 50 yard range that didn't cash. But, and then at times it was like three, you know, three and out on five yards or, you know, the, the, the turnovers, Turnovers were, killed them. They were a huge, a huge problem, especially in the first half. Like they just set Miami up too well. All credit to Miami on that first drive. Like they didn't have a third down oh. on the first drive. Like they they came out, they scripted their that's the thing. They scripted a real nice first 15. And then after that? After that, I mean, we'll get into the numbers when we talk about the defense, but after that, they had no answers whatsoever. That shut um, down after that. And you know, Nick Nick mentioned that maybe it seems that with Gino's offense uh, and trying to be more aggressive, trying to be more explosive, that maybe it lends itself more to Chuck and his home run ability that Corey doesn't necessarily have. I agree with part of that, but there's also a lot of between the guard Chuck runs. Right. And I mean, he, I mean, granted he popped, you know, several of his longer runs were in that realm, but you know, that seems maybe that that's the time to start wearing on the defense with Corey. I don't, you know, again, we're, we're trying to parse through things that we don't have a full understanding of full understanding of or answers to. We're just trying to, you know, lay things out and people can, can decide how they want to decide. Um, I thought the offense was, was fairly good though. I mean, the unfortunate part about our podcast today is that the site that I use to get kind of like the nitty gritty um, analytical data and everything goes off of ESPN.com's game cast and can only do it if there's a play by play. Yeah. And for some reason you see Miami had no play by play on. I always go back to the play by play when so it's over to start taking get, notes. And it, the website's called games on paper. Um, but but yet Long Island versus Toledo had a play-by-play. Up in the press box, the uh, stat cast that Miami provided also went out oh, about man. halfway through the game. So I don't know if that has anything. It could have been. I mean, if there's any correlation or not. But yeah, and the guy I talked to the guy that runs the site this morning actually because I asked him about if where it was, and he's like, and then Purdue Syracuse didn't have it. I so if- it's, it's it's very strange. On and he goes, he's like, I have no, there's no rhyme or reason to why some of these games have it and some don't. So like, I won't have all of the stuff that we usually try to talk about. The one I was kind of able to pull was yards per play. Cause it was so good last week and it was still pretty good this week, 6.6 yards per play, mm-hmm. which would be about in the 70th percentile, which is, you know, it's okay. It's not super, it's better than, you know, better than average, but, um, but I don't, I don't have like explosive rate. I don't have success rate. I don't have, you know, all the stuff that we've kind of talked about the last few weeks. 
Yeah, I usually go down that that play by play like the night, like right before I go to bed. I go down the play by play and kind of look and try and pick out a couple things. That, and I pulled it up, and the only thing that was there was the scoring summary. And I'm like, this doesn't yeah. help me at all. I already know. I mean, they have the, they have the play by play on the official game uh, book on UC site, but it's it's harder to parse through. It's just very uh, very technical to like the yeah the exact thing with the players' numbers. Just harder to read through. I pulled it up on CBS, and CBS credited UC with every single score um, throughout the entire game. So that was not oh, helpful cool. at all. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. But, I mean, the offense, again, three weeks in. Top 25 yards per attempt, which is a number that I look at a lot. Top 25 pass game rating. Some of that obviously buoyed by Evan last week, but the you know, the vast majority of it is it's been, and I'm just kind of left, you know, seven for 14 on third down. Again, they're, they're 17th ranked nationally third down conversion rate. Like those are the numbers that tell you whether you have a good offense or not yards per attempt third down rate. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm having a hard time. You know, if you want to just nitpick every single throw, then that by all means go for it. It seems like, a rough way to go through a game or go through a season. If that's the way you're going to, going to look at it. Um, you know, I kind of try to look at it in the totality of it all. Like he had a great feathered throw. I think it was to Trey it was going towards the Miami student section where it was like over a linebacker. And then in between like three other DBs. Um, that I'm just like, that's just such a, that's such a money accurate, throw that not a lot of guys can make and well there was there was another like there was a, a set of back-to-back throws where uh see you see you see it just given up so it was 17 to 7 their following drive uh, he hits trey tucker with an absolute dart over the middle um i think it's the one that aaron referred to last night as uh when tucker was like frozen in the air like Mario punching a brick, waiting for the ball to like as he he like jumped and then <laughs> and then Ben saw him and, and hit him. Uh, it was a thirty-one yard completion, and then immediately after that, he threw a pass that was eerily similar to the interception at the beginning of the Arkansas game um, to Tyler Scott, but this time he put like a whole lot behind it, right, and, and got it out there. I, it, those are the kinds of things that we talked about, you know, two weeks ago when we said like, Hey, we don't really like that throw very much, but if you're going to make it, like you have to commit to it and that's going to happen. Those kind of timing things are going to happen. And I mean, he was another, like, I think another first down, like back to back right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we're three games in, uh, you know, I think Arkansas, regardless of their interesting game yesterday is still pretty damn good. Like their oh, yeah. offense is still pretty damn explosive. Kennesaw well, is what it is. Miami is a, a very solid Mac team. So, you know, it's, it's tough to judge necessarily all told, but the offense as a whole looks much more dynamic, much more innovative, much more pro pro concept driven 
and they just have a lot of weapons that are going to put teams in bad spots. And you're three games in with a new quarterback. Great. Yes, he's been here, but not taking first team reps ever when mm-hmm. he's here, really. Um, and you're just, you're breaking, you're still breaking in a lot of things. And I think that's where you see, you know, the penalties. It's, you know, people, we're going to harp on the penalties. They got to, they got to do better. I mean, they're never going to be like a, a very, very low penalty type team. And sure, a bunch of those were what, three or four of those were just in the, the drive that Evan was in at the end. Yeah, that was, and that that's going to happen when you're bringing in a bunch of a bunch of guys that hadn't played in the game yet, and they all come in, and then yeah, get, some timing things are off. And gotta, I'm more hung up on on the fumbles because absolutely those t- the two that were covered by Miami were not like those were not big hits. These were not, they were not blindsided by they guys. Were they, they were yeah, they were pretty run of the mill. Like just get an arm in there. That should not force a fumble and you know that led them to 10 points that I mean, they could not move the ball i told aaron um, it reminded me of I, I had just like i missed like the first quarter and a half because uh, i was at my son's pony fourth grade football game and it reminded me a lot of the kids carrying the ball there because it's just like you know a kid runs up and just kind of like hits them in the arm the ball they're gonna, and there it goes you know yeah. and then everybody's diving for it so that kind of stuff is, like you said, it wasn't. It wasn't like a Derek Forrest style uh, blow up that caused those fumbles. I, th- I think we we've seen though when they are when they are humming when they like that offense can can do damage in a hurry. And I'm always gonna I'm always gonna be willing to take a little bit of the you know like you don't want the mistakes, but like if the trade off is pushing the ball down the field with a quarterback that has a lot of confidence in his arm and a lot of confidence in his receivers. And yes, maybe you get an interception here and there. Maybe you take a sack because you're trying to extend a play or you're waiting for a guy to get open and he just like, I'm going to accept those things because the way that they're being aggressive and trying to be explosive and understanding that, the defense is not as good as last year, but it's still pretty good. And teams are really going to have a hard time going eight, 10, 12 plays on them that we don't want to fall into. We don't want to go that those type of drives. Like we need to be quick strike. And these, the drives yesterday were actually fairly long in plays, even with the, the quick strike um, capabilities. But, you know, I, I have to get to this one. Uh, how many jello shots were had? Um, well, not as many as next week. Probably because uh, the noon gamers, you know, the, it's a late rising crowd getting down there. We, we, we didn't, we weren't on, you know, just like the Bearcats were slow starters yesterday. The Simone family tailgate had a little bit of a, a slow start. You get so, stuck in the traffic jam down there? No, and whatever was well, going on? We, we won't get into it because, because <laughs> Mrs., uh, you know, Mrs. Bearcat Journal, M- Mama Bearcat Journal Twitter is, probably listening so i'm not going to pin all the fault on her a <laughs> little, little late little late start we'll just leave it at that <laughs> but uh, it was still a good still a good tailgate chad was able to stop by you know so we, we had we had a good time and we'll be ready to go 3 30 saturday indiana but uh but yeah so let's uh 
I think we kind of talked what we needed to talk about offense. Let's move over to the defensive side. I think the, the big number that stands out to me after going down 17-7, not counting the drive right before half where Miami just took a knee. Nine drives, 34 plays, 85 yards, 2.5 yards per play. Three drives of those nine went for negative yards. And again, it seemed like Ivan Pace was everywhere. Uh, I mean, there was a play where he can't like Luke said. Luke mentioned his postgame presence that they moved him more uh, to like the, the middle linebacker spot. Inside, yeah, I heard yeah. that. And there was a play where he came through the middle, and I'm pretty sure it was the nose tackle that engaged him, and he just shrugged him off and chased uh, Smith down from behind, like two steps, got him. And he just, the, his ability to see the play happening and unfolding in front of him and get to where he needs to be is, is something special. Um, there was that one. I had another note about him. It was actually the, the, the pace to pace connection um, <laughs> where he, he came up through the middle Um Miami's quarterback had the was falling back very rapidly and uh, had to get rid of the ball. And when he did, whoever the kid was he was throwing it to, um, unfortunately, had Deshaun Pace about a half an inch in front of his face and and blew that one up. Oh yeah, on the like kind of like a bubble jailbreak type screenplay. Yep, and then uh, that led to uh, uh, Jaden Thomas's good return on the punt uh, right there, leading I think into the uh, the score that actually I guess that led to a field goal yeah I think that ended up leading to a field goal pace leads the way again eight tackles a sack two tackles for loss three other guys Arquan Bush Quan Shepard Byron threats five tackles uh threats credited with a sack uh Juwan Briggs had a sack JQ Hardaway had a sack um but Mm -hmm. I mean that that defense yesterday like Outside of the first drive, like I said, that, that Miami scripted a really nice first 15. Um, but once they got their, their bearings, I mean, they could not run the ball. Outside of the, you know, again, outside of the first drive, the Matt Kippenhammer show. Yeah. They could not they were- challenge UC downfield at all. Um, They're kind of trying to pick on Arquan Bush a little bit. Yeah, uh-huh. and I think, you know, I wanted to bring that up in that, again, you have to have someone that you're confident in putting out there if you're going to talk about making a change. And my just my personal view is that I think Arquan is better in the slot than he is on the boundary. Um, and... Or the field, I get confused sometimes. Yeah. Um, but just on the outside, I think he's better in the slot. Now, you then need someone that you feel confident to put outside if you're going to move him back inside. And right now, they have more confidence in Taj Ward and Sammy Anderson inside and Arquan outside than Arquan in and field. Yes, thank you, field. Um but I, I, th- I don't know. I don't know if, if we get to that point soon, if we never get to that point. 
I just I feel like he plays better in the confined space that is the slot. I think he I think he loses his bearings a little bit when he's and he did have the nice in you know comeback with the nice interception on yep. a very very similar play um to the one that got beat on for the touchdown. I just feel like he kind of loses his bearings a little bit the the longer the play develops. I yeah. remember they the one Alabama long touchdown was was on him in the in the Cotton Bowl on a on a down the sideline type type play. Um, so I just wonder if you know if JQ if it's JQ as the season progresses. I know everyone's super excited about JQ yeah. and he's the next sauce and he's already six three and whatever. But like we're still three games in, true freshman, a lot of learning, you know, lot lot of a lot of understanding a lot of how you study tape how you recognize routes how you all of those things take time so I, I think it goes back it's kind of the same issue that we have everywhere else is like people whether they're like doing it on purpose or not are like subconsciously comparing him to what just left here and you can't do that it was it's the best the best cornerback in college football and the best player to ever play at UC who Having to also be a cornerback. Like, it was like they both won the Thorpe Award kind of thing. Like, it's what it is. Like, people are starting, I think, in their heads comparing that. And so, like, one little mistake, one, you know, a, a, a five yard, you know, reception that gets allowed. And they're like, get rid of him. You know, they pull the Aaron, like, DFA everybody. Like, <laughs> bring in somebody else. He he's he's doing an all right job. He probably does do better in, in the slot, but then, like you said, you got to have somebody else for the outside that that you're confident is going to do a as good or better job than what he does. And if you don't feel that way, then there's no reason to make the change. Right. And Tony brings up the point. Whoever it is, they have to take. That's the thing. They have to take the position from him. And that's the thing for any position. Like, just because a guy is struggling or does something wrong on a specific play does not mean they're going to make a change because the person behind them has to prove that they are ready or and able to give a better effort to be better than that person. Like you, you don't just take a guy out for the sake of taking him out, especially in football. Like that just doesn't happen. You have to, you know, what's Luke always talk about with, with freshmen. Like you earn trust on special teams. If we can put you out there on special teams as a freshman and you and you perform and you start to earn our trust, then you start to earn our trust in in you know offense defense snaps. And it's just it's a process. I do want to say thank you, Jeff. Show sponsor hey. Jeff Jeff Bartholomew. Appreciate Thanks, your uh, great your, name. Yes, that's right. Appreciate your sponsorship. We're gonna. I'm gonna be reaching out this week. Let Hayden know. Love to have him on uh, next week's show to maybe talk a little Indiana and uh, first four games if he is if he's able and willing. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just an idea. Like, believe me, I'm not saying it in the sense of like, the, you know, the coaches are idiots because they they're not doing this or whatever. Like. But, you know, it's just something that I observe and have observed over the years that I just think he's a really good slot guy, and I'm just not sure that he's an outside guy. But you have to have someone that you have confidence in to, to give you 
as much or more if you're going to make a move. Like you're not just going to make a move. You're not going to upset. You're not going to move two people if you don't think you're going to get better production. Like you don't make the move if you think you're just going to get the same production. Right. Because then you would have to to do that. Then you would have to say that that Arquan's going to give you, you know, significantly better production in the slot. So, I'm sorry. I was reading reading yeah, the that, question. It was it was a lot. Um, anything else defensively? Um, uh, no. I mean, I think they. Uh, it was. I mean, yeah. It, it was like it was just this kind of beating the same drum of you know the the first the first possession is what it or the first series there for Miami was what it was like. It was well done, well scripted, and then after that, UC was like, "Yeah, we're not." I don't think we're going to have that anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the four sacks, the m- I feel like it, overall, though, the coverage was good because it felt like the sacks were were very much coverage, coverage sacks. sacks. You know, the yeah. way that they were running their offense, um, especially with that type of a quarterback, like they weren't just going to five-step drop him, let him hang, go through his progressions and try to – like it was very much one read, quick game, a lot of quick slants, um, a lot of quick game – a lot of movement from the quarterback, you know, the one long throw he had in the second half on their score, you know, on their scoring drive or when they got down there and they didn't score, but you know, like the hard roll and then the throw back yes. to the other side, like, you know, they were doing a good job of making sure that there were as few bodies around him as possible. Um, so to get four sacks, a lot of that was coverage. A lot of that was him moving outside the pocket, especially in the second half, there was a lot of him moving out and, you know, Couple throwaways, couple times where he ran out of bounds, um, but yeah, there just weren't a lot of of lanes and routes, and, and we'll see next week. I mean, obviously, China will get Indiana in, into Indiana on uh, next week, but like their whole offense is throw, like they struggle slash can't run the ball, and so we're gonna we're gonna get a tech. We're gonna see like how they're much th- they're three and zero, right? They are. They have some. Some very win adjusted, uh, you know. I'm not sure that all three knows are, are the same. same. <laughs> but yeah, but they're gonna they're gonna chuck it. So we'll get a good idea of like where the DBs are, where the pass rush is, things of that nature. Um, See, uh, Dave Sullivan over here is asking if we're gonna get into UC the UCF pulling a UCF, and they they played a top 25 team, so we'll probably yeah, talk t- Tyler, about it for a minute. Tyler and Dave asked kind of AAC questions, and I don't want to. Uh, steal all of Aaron and Chad's content for the nightcap tonight. But yes, we will talk briefly about Houston, Kansas, because it was Kansas, and uh, and briefly about the very end of a very much UCF football game um, when we get to the, the, the entirety of call the sport. I do want to, we want to do, I do want to talk about Mason Fletcher. Oh, uh, there's a there's another special teams guy that I was going to give a, a shout a, out to. So a dude. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess we should. That you know, the camp that they're coming from, the group they're coming from in Australia, obviously is putting out guys. But like, I don't think anybody could have expected to go from James Smith, and I'm not comparing the two, but like, literally n- not much, if any, drop off. Like, I don't remember. You know, maybe one last year, 
Like, has he shanked a punt? Just straight up shanked a punt. Uh, I can't remember one. Like, we see dudes in college doing some amazingly terrible things, whether it's getting punts blocked, whether it's shanking punts. I mean, UC's been part of that reason for the last several years. I mean, blocking kicks, forcing bad kicks. Again, like, great kicking, great kicking when they were backed up. I know he only kicked a couple times, but, but I mean, it's a weapon, man. When you have a defense like they have, and you have an offense that can score like they can – Having a punter like that is a huge weapon. So the the one that you're talking about when he was when UC was backed up, the the 73 yard bomb. Uh, there was a new name out on the field uh, that I had, uh, I, and I've been talking about him kind of when we do like after shows and stuff with Chad, and like I text Chad about him and whatnot. Uh, but Drew Donnelly, yeah. And if you watch, so he he's a like a. 10-5. He's like a 10-500 meter guy in, right. in high school. Um, his his cousin goes to Georgia and is uh, really, really fast. Um, so that's kind of how he pops up on my, my radar. And uh, to see him, he's a receiver. So we'll probably see him in the next few next few years. Uh, he's another 4-2-40 guy, 10-500 guy, but he was down the field like right now on that on that punt and was able to you know smother the the tackle there and secure the 73 yard punt for yeah, uh for I mean, with, with will pauling being injured and trey tucker nursing something i mean he looked pretty damn good for yesterday for nursing something but they didn't put him on any special teams like you're gonna have a new gunner out there and drew got some snaps i noticed on that drive for wide at wide receiver when on the actual offensive drive when they were backed up. Oh, did they? Did he was he, in. I, he was in um, at wide receiver on that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean they they did have the one punt or gave up the one punt return where the the gunners ran past the guy thinking he was going to fair catch it and then yeah. he didn't. He pulled like so, a Trent Taylor who you know, like never like fair a, catches you know, anything. Just, you know, unless you see it, you, I don't think you're supposed to run <laughs> run by the guy. Um, but all, again, all in all. Ryan Coe's great at kickoffs. I mean, I want to get into this what and what you think. Okay, so because part of me totally understands it. And part of me thinks it's chicken shit. I think I know where you're going with this. That after the game, Chuck Martin said that like we were not going to return a single kickoff and we were going to do their whatever, you know, their squibby, whatever, like pooch kicking every time because we just didn't want to mess with their special teams. And part of me is like, okay, I get it. Like, that's what you think you need to do to win the game, blah, blah, blah. And that's how you end up with Ryan Mullaney on the Cincinnati kick returns. uh, Yeah. And then part of me is like, dude, if you think that doing that is going to win you the game, you like, or give you a chance to win the game, then you got other things you need to, like, I don't know. I just don't like it. Like, just kick the damn ball off, man. I I was wondering, like, I didn't know. Like I, like I said, I, so I missed like the beginning of the game and like, you know, you, you see them and I'm just like, did I miss them like saying something like at the beginning of the game, like their kicker was out or like, you know, they got, they have to use somebody else to kick today. So they're not confident. He's not going to kick it out of bounds. So he just squip. Like I, I was very confused. Um, 
and I missed his comments after the game. So now I see that he thought that was like the winning strategy. Well, um, I guess he just thinks, I mean, and great. It's a compliment. Like we think your special teams are so good. Your speed covering kicks, obviously your speed returning kicks. I get the, I get the squibbing kick thing from there. like, don't let whatever Tyler Sky, Trey Tucker return a kick. I get that part. The not returning any of UC's kicks, like, are you what are you afraid you're going to get a holding penalty and you're going to start a drive at the ten? Like, do, are your returners as fast as me and you? Like, right? I just I don't understand. Like, that we're not going to return a single kickoff. Yeah, like, I don't... That we th- we we think we can do no better than starting every drive at the twenty five yard line. That. I don't know. That's very strange. Like I said, I didn't hear him say that at the end. So like now that kind of makes, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I see what, what was happening now. I, mean, I, I uh, guess. Whatever. But like squibbing it. Like I, I also don't necessarily understand that. Like you squib it and you're kind of, I mean, you're giving up. Well, the one essentially the one, a decent return. Like, yeah. The one squib they kicked, we started at like the 40. Yeah, I think that was the one that Ryan Mullaney got. <laughs> so it's like, was that really that much better than if you just kicked it deep and covered the damn kick? Right. Or like or your kicker can't, if you're, can your kicker not get it to the end zone? And that that's the other thing. Like it, you, if your kicker can't kick it out of the back of the end zone, which is what you would you know, want to do if you're just like, if you're just giving these things up, like boot it out kick, of the end zone, let them start where they're going to start. Like Kick it high to like the 10 yard line and make them, make them call for a fair catch there. And sometimes, like, the thing is, like, those squib kicks can get, like, you know, they get kind of squirrely on the ground. Like, yeah, they had the one that, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens with it? Like, somebody comes up and picks it up and takes off running. And now you're giving up all kinds of extra yards because you're scared of what might happen if you kick it to one of these guys. Like you said, that's a compliment. Yeah, it was just, it was interesting. Uh, I, I just, you know, part- I get it, but then part of me is just like, whatever. Um, so I don't know why this, you know, I guess we can kind of wrap on this. Like the big, the big, uh, you know, discussion coming into the season was like, what are we going to, what is, what are the, what are the Bearcats going to play in third down or on uh, in between the third and fourth quarters? Or is there going to be a new kickoff song or is pump it up going to leave? Is Narco going to be here? Is, What's going to happen? Well, I can tell you whatever they choose to do is better than what Miami did in between the third and fourth quarter, which was a big game of musical beanbag chairs. What? Yes. They had cheerleaders playing musical beanbag chairs in the end zone, like with some sort of background music or like it was the most basic uninspiring, like, Indiana's was even better, and I made fun of Indiana's because their third, in between third, fourth quarter song was John Mellencamp. Um, and granted, he's from Indiana, so uh, I guess it kind of makes sense. But like, it was just, I mean, it felt like very 1995. Like, Welcome to the Jungle was their kickoff song, which, okay, whatever. Like, I like it because I'm a Bengals fan, and I like, you know, that type of music. But right. other than that, it was. It was a weird game day, uh, game ex- environment from a production standpoint. Well, uh, I think, I mean, they were getting thrown around all over, 
all over the place. The the pictures are like the students comparing the student sections to each other. And um, like Aaron sent some pictures from where he was at there. <laughs> he was the first one he sent. Actually, I guess that was it was like the UCLA pictures, but I'll get into that in a minute because I have a question for you reference that whole situation. Sure. Um, but to I just don't like I don't like using NFL stadiums. They don't have the same. There's just you don't get the same feeling. It's not the. It just it looks weird. And then when you when you play a team like you know a MAC team. And you just can't, you can't fill the stadium and then it, it's empty. And no, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not it good for UC. I mean, like you could hear UC's fans, like obviously like they, I mean, half of them can roll out of bed and get on a skateboard and roll down the hill and end up at, at Paycor stadium. So yeah, Miami's I mean, gotta, it's, like, drive it's there, not ideal. It? It's yeah. Like the tailgate when we were in lot one tailgate lot was full. It was a good tailgate scene. Um, but yeah, it's just the stadiums are built for different things. Purposes. Like yeah. they're, you know, and yeah, it's just, you know, I know, but we can we get into that all the time, and it's a it's a dead horse that's done been beaten to death. So, right. Um, you know, but I don't see it going away. The series, you know, the, oh, no. the whole the whole thing at, at Paul Brown is is I guess a somewhat of a compromise to not the every other game in at Miami, which I get. I mean, I mean, I would still rather go play. I mean, I, I don't know. You what had, the, but that's the thing is you had, they've played plenty of times at Miami and they've yeah. never had that many UC fans. So you're still getting, you know, what they announced the attendance just over 30,000. So I'm sure it was, you know, probably something in like the 23 to seven range, 20 to 10 range. I don't, I don't know if there were 10,000 Miami fans there, but you're still getting 20,000-ish UC fans at a quote-unquote road game. You're not getting – they never bring that many to Miami. Um, you don't think that now with the way that the, the team is that they wouldn't – That I mean, they kids, might. Kids wouldn't want to go up there. We haven't, we haven't played there since 2018 or whatever it was, uh, and I, you know, the Malik Clements game. But um, I mean, Jaeger Stadium holds 25,000. 2017 yeah i mean it's they it's downsized never, it by six thousand seats in never, 2005 never close to full so even when uc goes there so fair i don't know well yeah which brings me to the the qu- i know we're going to start talking about like around the ncaa yeah. uh coming up here now um so this is this was kind of a question i had uh when i saw the tweet come out because it came out from Troy Aikman, uh, vaunted UCLA alum. And it was in reference to the pictures circulating on social media of the 15 people in the Rose Bowl for the UCLA game. I don't even know who they played yesterday. Uh, they um, played South Alabama and probably and should have lost. Lost, yeah. I knew it was like a another one of those, like, whatever. But Troy Aikman said that it's about time that UCLA stops playing in the Rose Bowl. He said that they couldn't even fill it when he was there. And now it's just embarrassing and they should just build a 30,000 seat stadium on campus and have their games there. I mean, sure. Where where are you where are they building a 30,000 seat 
stadium in in LA in the middle of campus in LA. Like, I mean, that's a great idea in theory, I guess. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I saw some tweets about like the whoever did the counting for that. Like, there was no obviously not even close to the number of people that they said was there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, we make we joke about it, and it's easy to joke about for us at this point. But like, we weren't. I mean, go back and watch. Go back and find some pictures from the Memphis game, T- Tuberville's last year. Tell yeah. me how many people were at that one. Like, you know, it's easy to, to, you know, make jokes and everything. Um, but it's it's a problem all over the place. I mean, one year, like, the LSU-Mississippi State game wasn't sold out last night. You know, it's – there's – the ticket prices at a lot of these places have gotten outrageous for, for college sports. Um, and – like we've talked about how many times in various platforms, like the experience of being at home and being able to have four TVs or whatever and spend the spend all afternoon watching all the games has become such a big part that people like, you know, yesterday um we're down we're in the lot at like a little before nine game come back like we didn't get home till like you know probably like between five six o'clock so i don't see much of anything yeah and some people just don't want to we didn't miss a whole lot of great games yesterday so no (laughs) no there was it was um there wasn't a lot of great that's for sure no but i mean that that is other than uh we're we're on our i think we're on a collision course to Georgia Alabama part two. Yeah, and Georgia looks uh so like good. very, very good. And I I don't know that there really is a team close to them. Brock Bowers I mean, is is just insane. I mean, their, their tight end for anybody yeah. that doesn't doesn't know. Um but yeah, I mean and, and Stetson Bennett is a I mean, like I said it I think the first week when I said is Georgia the greatest team of all time I mean he's the, the dude's story is crazy and there's going to be a Disney movie made someday um but they are they are just that good He's going to be in the he's going to be in the running for the Heisman if they go and, if they just keep winning I mean, like, He's 16 for 23 284 yards and two touchdowns uh passing and three carries for 36 yards and a touchdown and then Bowers was five, five receptions, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. It's ridiculous. I mean, and they um, played South Carolina, so SEC win. Yeah, and g- gave up seven. That was the first first touchdown they've given up all year. And it was probably the like at the very you know, yeah, it was the end of the game. It's the it's the you know the joke I made about uh, Miami not letting UC have their recruits there was because they didn't want them to let them right. get in and play at the end of the game. That was probably George's recruits that were out on the field when that got scored. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. But uh, okay, so wh- where do you want to start around around the? Well we, well, we just started at number one, so let's go to number two, Alabama and UL Monroe. That was over pretty quick. They scored Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Alabama scored three touchdowns, uh, one from offense, one from defense, one from special teams in the first six minutes of the game. Oh, so okay, that was um, efficient. Yes, uh, Will Anderson got his first pick six. I, I, I so, guess I guess those practices got a little bit harder this week after the Texas Texas game. Right. 
uh, and then uh, Toledo um, really put up a not very big fight to the 77 points Ohio State hung on them. It, Jeez. Uh, Ohio State did not take their foot off the gas. Uh, scored 21 points in the fourth quarter after <laughs> after scoring 28, 14, 14, and then 21. So like, Marvin Harrison Jr., a dude. Uh, yeah, he didn't. It doesn't look like he landed on the little uh, deal over here. Uh, he had like he had like two or three touchdowns. Yeah, but on the little th- on the side of the uh, like the highlighted players, he's not one of them. C.J. Stroud, Aiden, their running back, and Egbuka. Uh, uh, Can't yeah. never say his name right. I'm sure that's probably wrong. Uh, he had seven receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Aiden had 17 carries and 108 yards on a touchdown. Stroud was 22 for 27, 367 yards and five touchdowns. So <laughs> there you go. I guess it's kind of a crapshoot of who they put up on that one. Uh, I ju- let's jump to Penn State. Auburn, you don't want to talk about I, Michigan-UConn? No, I don't want to talk about Michigan-UConn. <laughs> I don't want to talk about any of these Kentucky-Youngstown State. I don't want to talk about any of these blood bloodbath games. But USC? Um, yeah, it didn't get it didn't get close Penn, until Arkansas Penn Missouri State, State Auburn. I did get to see some of that, and Penn State just big boyed those dudes up and down the field. And you've got to think that the Brian Harson days are in the similar vein to the Scott Frost days, being coming near to near to a close. Do we know when his uh, when his buyout drops? Because it'll be about a month and a half before that that he. I, I don't think he has any uh, co- any interesting uh, contract language to that degree. Fair. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, he's cooked. Uh, so yeah, they've been. You're waiting. not gonna you're not gonna hang around there. They Very basically ran this, they ran the AD out, who was the only reason he got hired because the AD finally like stood up to the boosters and said, "I'm going to do this," and so they did it, and or he did it, and then they you know waited a couple of years and ran the AD out, and now they're going to fire Harson, which is just you know like I talked about on the the BCJ podcast, that they're not going to go after. I have a hard time believing they're going to go after a guy like Luke. They're probably going to you know maybe like a Lane Kiffin, but. It just to the the point is like, how much money do you think they're gonna spend on their next coach? Like all of it, right? Like I mean, Nebraska's gonna spend. I know you said like whoever the next Auburn coach is, I will be stunned if the they're not a nine million dollar head coach. Well, I mean that that's kind of the name of the game now. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to do those kinds of things. I mean, I would have to think with like the expansion of the playoff, like recruiting is gonna get a little bit easier for some of the higher like the kind of the mid-range to lower tier high sure you can and that sell, high like, bracket we're because... have a shot at the playoff every year at a right. Penn, at a Penn State at, yeah. an, at an Auburn like at a UC so like Auburn, why, you Auburn's know? won a national championship in the last 15 years like who was their think... who was their coach when that happened uh their coach was Gene Chiswick <laughs> <laughs> uh and their quarterback was Cam Newton that might have had something uh, more to, yeah. to do with it little bit um but yeah i mean like you can just sell like yeah we're pretty damn good now we can probably make the playoff almost every year um but that was just like i thought penn state would win but i did not see that 
type of, of like the way they ran the ball, you know, everybody always said, well, they still got an SEC defensive line. Well, they just kind of did whatever they wanted offensively. Singleton had 10 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. Seems like he was just doing what I mean, that, that's 12 yards a carry. So, <laughs> speaking of speaking of nine million dollar coaches, uh, Mel Tucker, Michigan State, Washington. Uh, as I say, that's what I was going to bring up next because uh, Indiana former Indiana quarterback Michael Penix Jr. just lit them up. Twenty four for forty, three hundred and ninety seven yards and four touchdowns. Michigan State. I don't know what they have. Their DBs suck, <laughs> and they've sucked two years in a row. And I don't know why. And they can't run the ball either. <laughs> but like. I, the Tucker's got he's basically a 500 record as a head coach and they just gave him an extension last year because they were afraid that LSU might talk to him when the LSU really had no interest in hiring him right and then and they, now, they're they on the hook, the... now they're on the hook for a whole lot of money if this doesn't work out uh, that might be one that they just have to ride out for a little bit I think that I think they're going to like uh number 11 down gone. Oregon BYU, Oregon uh, handled BYU fairly uh, fairly easily. They they should uh, may start dropping down a little bit there. Yeah, I think I think 12. that is. Uh, I think we can officially confirm that their game against Georgia had a lot more to do with Georgia being awesome than them being terrible. Yeah, I think BYU is dog tired too. Like. They went to South Florida week one, then came home and played Baylor, then go play Oregon. Like that's a South a Florida, of, whatever. But like that's that's a tough go to start your season. I did I did see somebody tweeted out like uh, they're like I'm, I'm making me laugh how many times I'm hearing like uh, you know BYU's tight end in his when he's not hitting the weight room you know he runs a successful drywalling business with his three <laughs> kids because like all their guys are like 26 oh, yeah. 27 years old you know for sure uh, it's kind of uh, funny there arkansas uh, missouri state that was i i wanted so but like again this never would have happened but like how great would it have been if like missouri state won and bobby petrino just like rides off on a motorcycle like, like right right down the middle of the field you know with like a with like a razorback head just like yeah, in one hand yeah he's just holding up a, a pig head while he drive you know but no then they uh they had the lead and then arkansas did what good teams are supposed to do you have a 73 yard touchdown run then you bring back a 80 yard punt return and slam the door on that real fast yeah yeah, uh, uh, KJ Jefferson was all right. Nineteen for thirty-one, three eighty-five, and two touchdowns. So, I mean, we've seen him play. We know, we yeah. know what he's capable of he's, and what he can do. So, um, so you want to you want to get in? Which do you want to start with? Houston, Kansas, or USF doing USF things? Um, I, uh, let's talk about USF doing USF things. Those because... are AAC games. I don't know if you're allowed to touch on them. Well, one we of them was them against the top, tw- top 25 yeah. team, sir. One of them was against a ranked opponent. Sir. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> he wakes up to tell us that. I think um, we could, well, I, I'm going to start on that game and say, like, I'm, I'm glad we didn't award Anthony Richardson the Heisman, you know, after, after the first against, week. After his first game where he 
I'm pretty sure he didn't throw a touchdown pass in that game either, or maybe he threw one. I don't think he's thrown last, one yet. Because his last two games have stunk to high hell. So uh, I thought I saw a stat that he hadn't that he hadn't thrown a touchdown. I thought I did too, but then I'm like, wait, like, how? Did, I felt like he had to have thrown one in the, one in the game. Maybe he had a rushing touchdown or two rushing touchdowns in the in the Utah game. Um, but that's kind of like a bigger point of like three games in the way Luke, you know, and Luke brought this up about how it's like the only sport that we don't have scrimmages. We don't have exhibition games. We don't have any, like three games in, like you're still very much depending on who you're playing. Like you're still trying to figure out a lot Can't about confirm. no, no, no passing touchdowns. Okay. There you go. No. Um, so yeah, I don't think you can give a guy a Heisman if he hasn't thrown a passing touchdown in three games. Yeah, I could be wrong. Be... I could be wrong. I mean, he's not a running back, so I, you know. But uh, but yeah, let's chill out and just like let some things develop. And three games is yes, it's uh, you know, it's already like a decent chunk of the season. Unfortunately, it goes by super fast. Um, I mean, he's thrown for four hundred and twenty-three yards all season. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, let's calm down. <laughs> Pump the brakes. But then, but, like the uh, end. Of... The end of that game, and, and I know that like Aaron will probably want to do a deep dive into it tonight on the nightcap in the AAC re, uh, recap. But the end of that game, you got USF is is like moving the ball pretty well to get down the field, and then they have a bad snap that moves them to the probably the edge of field goal range. I guess their kicker had hit like from forty nine, so this was at like forty eight. Um, then you have a bad snap on or you do a, a little draw play for like two yards. Yeah, that was an interesting, interesting third down play call. After, I felt like your Florida center, was after your center rolled it back to the quarterback and you're at like third and eighteen and and like they've been getting the the even weirder part about it is like the Florida corners had been giving Xavier Weaver like 12 yards off the ball. So you would think like, okay, let's just snap it, throw it out to him real quick. I mean, if he gets six, seven yards, we're in field, we're easy in field goal range. If he makes a guy miss, he steps out of bounds and maybe we got a shot to try to go for the win. And like you said, they just like ran a draw, like off tackle two yards. And then the holder just flat dropped the ball. And I was actually pretty impressed. that The kicker still almost made it. The ball was almost on its side. On the I guess he's an Aussie kicker too, so like, you know, I don't know if like whatever, but the ball when the when the holder caught it and it like it, it was almost totally flat on the ground like sideways when he kicked it and it for one it made it over the line which yeah. was impressive in and of itself and then it almost like knuckleballed through the uprights so much so that. Like USF's coach thought he made it. Yeah, it was a, it was a very <clears throat> yeah the old the old term was Clemsoning before they got things going. It, it was a it was a very USF ending because they had a tr- oh. tr- true freshman and I I very much question the Florida play calling on the drive that preceded that when they were, were running it right down their throat and they get yeah. the ball like the three yard line and throw an out route in the end zone that the true freshman corner for USF picks off. And, you know, so both teams had some very, very head-scratching plays at the end of the game. Well, I didn't understand why 
Uh, so it's going into third and 18. You know, USF snaps the ball, rolls all the way back there. They have to fall on it. USF only had one timeout left. So they were going to have to burn it there. And Florida calls a timeout for them yeah. to let them kind of like get things together. And they run a draw play, which made no sense. But it gave them that timeout to be able to run another play outside of like having to rush your field goal unit on the field and try for, you know, a third down really long or like, you know, hurry up and throw something to the outside. I, I didn't, I don't know. The clock yeah. management there at the end of that game was very odd. And obviously the snapping was not going well at all. Yeah. It was, yeah, chance for probably, I mean, maybe the biggest win. I know they got up into the top 10 back in the old Big East days, um, fairly late into one or two seasons, but uh, chance for maybe, you know, one of, if not the biggest wins in program history. Man, um, they, I mean, they ran the ball for almost like 300 yards. I mean, they, they've had a good Good game plan, good offensive attack. Um, but then uh, the other one, Houston, Kansas. And let Aaron and Chad talk about this one more. All I want to say is, like, Houston's got a lot of talent. And they've played three competent, solid teams. Like, no no, no cheese puffs. No, you know, UTSA, Texas Tech, and Kansas. So they have – that's a – you know – None of those teams are great, but none of them are FCS or, you know, bottom of the barrel FBS. But man, you give up 48 points at home to Kansas, who is vastly improved, but like, That's you should have better players than freaking Kansas. Kansas is a uh, 3-0. Not all three. Not all three and O's are I'm made hoping, the same. I'm hoping game day goes to Kansas. It's 3-0 Kansas versus 3-0 Duke. Ooh. Match up with some heavyweights. A basketball, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean there was a fight on their sideline yes, like a guy for Houston is grabbing like shoving another guy down. Oh yeah. Like I thought Nathaniel Dell was out for the year and he came back in somehow. Like he looked to have the the classic non contact knee injury on a on a pass route and he came back in, so that was that's good. But like you have a forty eight to Kansas. I cannot I cannot seriously consider you for conference champion. Yeah, uh, they are the uh, they are the uh, the preseason favorite, right? Yes, I mean you needed overtime to beat UTSA or double or triple or double triple whatever it was. You lost to backup quarterback Texas Tech last week, and now you get run out of your own building by the fighting Jayhawks. So things I don't know what's are not going, going on well in Houston. I don't know if it's, if there's more injuries that we just don't know about because we don't really follow them until, especially with not having to play them in the regular season again. But we're not going to, hopefully the way this is going, we're not going to play them at all this year. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they still have a pretty easy conference schedule. I'm not they play ECU at ECU. They play. I know they have to play ECU. I know they have to play SMU. They don't play UCF. They don't play UC. It's at um, East Carolina. They're losing. Oh yeah, that could be a loss. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just everybody talk. You know, a lot of talk about their defensive coordinator too, Doug Belk, who rightfully so. Like last year, they had a 
pretty pretty strong, pretty good defense. And this year, I don't know what the deal is, but they gave up 48, and dudes were just running open left and right. They were long runs left and right. Dana made one of the most weird decisions I've ever seen. End of the game, they're down 18. It's fourth and goal. He decides to kick a field goal to cut it to 15 and then onside kicks and they don't get it. So I'm thinking like, okay, if you're going to kick the field goal and do the whole like two possession thing, wouldn't you kick it deep? Try to get a three and out so you get good field position. Like I, I did not understand that Instead at all. Instead of the high probability onside kick, right? That you're not going to recover it, and then the first play after the onside kick, Kansas breaks like a thirty yard run. So it made it even more silly. Um, but yeah, it was just a, I don't know. They're they seem to be a mess. Let's just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We might not end up there, uh, but up the road in uh, in South Bend. Our boy Marcus Freeman gets hey, his first. He, uh, he got his win. He got his win against Cal. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure how much. <laughs> you know, how it's a win. Helps, but a win is a win when yeah. you haven't had any. I was gonna say, as Aaron said uh, last week, when everybody was saying, "Well, like this coach started off one and whatever, this coach started off one and whatever," like they had a one somewhere in there, and now now Marcus has his one. Uh, Drew Pine, uh is now the quarterback there, I guess. Um, Not like we that said, much like, better than Tyler Buckner. No, uh, but he, uh, you know, 17 for 23, 150 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, of 50.3 QBR. So, uh, but, Sweet. you know, they, 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 they were able to, to win a game. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, like, you look at something like that where you have Buckner or Pine. And then you listen to like some UC fans that, you know, getting bent out of shape down here on, in our quarterback situation. It's, I think it's better to have what we've got going on than what, what they have up there in their uh, yeah. quarterback room. So I think that's fair to say. I mean, it, that is kind of what it is. There was a great clip um, of Tommy Reese uh, on the phone with, uh, with Drew Pine they like they showed Drew Pine sitting on the bench and he's got the the phone to his ear and he's got this like just kind of like dumbfounded look on his face and Tommy Reese then they cut up to the the, the coordinator box and Tommy Reese is screaming into his mic like <laughs> yeah, like get it effing together like this team is counting on you like step it the f up like he's like screaming and you can read his lips like they're like Meep, like cut cut away real quick from that. But outside of that, uh, they get a win up there, and maybe Marcus Freeman can can start working towards. I mean, he's got a good recruit class coming in. So, oh yeah, is it still number one in the country? Uh, I don't know if it's number still number one, but I think it's definitely might still be top three. Jason Cooper brings up a good point. Maybe Luther uh, Richardson would have had a chance at the Notre Dame quarterback job right out of camp. Maybe. <laughs> Godspeed. Godspeed. Right. Anything else uh, from around the country that caught caught your eye? Let me look at my notes here and see if I had anything else. Uh, Arizona got a nice win against North Dakota State late last night. Did not see much of it. It That was probably past my bedtime. Like 11. 
But uh, I think I think North Dakota State was a favorite, which you don't see very many FCS at FBS betting favorites. Uh, Texas A and M beat Miami. Oh yeah, I watched a little bit of that, and then my eyes started to bleed after so I, their I changed uh, the channel because it was grotesque. <laughs> did they did they keep replaying the Aggie yell or whatever they do down there? I don't know, but it was what seventeen to nine. Yes. Like, yeah. I'm not watching. Like, there's too many options for me to just watch bad football just because it's two teams we've heard of. Right. And and just because they have a little number next to their name. Jason, Notre Dame needs Lloyd Carr's grandson to classify to like October 1st this year, not 2023. <laughs> like, <laughs> he needs to reclassify the Monday, September 19th. Yeah, exactly. Like, can we enroll Nat? Can we enroll him now? <laughs> and they need to do whatever the hell they can possibly do to get Dante Moore to, to transfer from, uh, to decommit from Oregon and commit to. Notre Dame because they were in the running until the very end. And he, yes, th- th- thanks, thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Always nice when your mother jumps in the chat. Even with the late start, you managed to put down plenty of Jello shots. Hey, well, I, have a re- I have a reputation to uphold. Well done. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so let's wrap this sucker up with. Uh, talking about the wonderful Bengals performance last Sunday where our all-world quarterback looked like he didn't know where to throw the football and our offensive line looked no different than last year when they had several players that I'm not sure could play for UC uh, in the game. Oh, we talked about it. It's, it's not surprising when, and I'm, I'm, I've never been like a big rail and Zach Taylor guy, but like, when you go under center on first down and you run the ball 89% of the time out of that look. I don't even think it was just on first down. It was any time they went under center. Oh, maybe. It's like, yeah, probably true. Like 18 of 19. I think they took 19 snaps under center. You're kind of like telling the other team what you're going to do. So it's it's a lot easier to play defense and, and rush when TJ Watt knows that this is going to be a run play. I was going to say, um, TJ Watt's really, really good. And if he can figure it out to the point where he's almost taking the handoff from Joe Burrow, that's a problem. Yes. Like you have you have all these weapons that we talk about. And I get it, like T. Higgins went out early with the, the concussion thing, I guess, uh, from what I saw this morning. He's like barring any kind of like yeah, I think he's crazy playing. change this morning, he'll be playing today. Um like it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of like any like wrinkles or any use of the weapons to what they could be used for. And I I said, you know, flat out that I, I thought it was a mistake not playing anybody in, like together in the preseason. Game speed, we talk about all the time, game speed is different than practice, even like full pad practice, tackle, whatever, and they don't even do that. Um, yeah, I think minus like a little... A, uh, or maybe a reevaluation of that next year, and, and maybe it's not like a quarter or two but i mean at least a series or two uh definitely like and the steelers were the opposite they went like old school training camp and and you know hit and tackled and did all that and you know and yet at the end like they're in a position to win the game i could could only laugh at that point like during the overtime when you're relying on a backup long snapper and and you know and you don't trust your bro to get get your eight yards 
Yeah, it's you know, it's it was just it was, it was a uh, comedy of errors at the yeah. end. And like you, yeah. I mean, it's a freak. It's a freak injury, obviously, that happens to to your you know your long snapper. Like a lot of people, I think, don't realize like that. You know, they're like, how do you even get hurt long snapping? You're snapping the like. He still he doesn't just long snap and then like go to the sideline. Like he's he's still he's actually like typically one of like the first guys down the field. Like they they do contribute outside of like their main purpose of snapping the ball. Um, And you know he he tears his bicep. I guess is what happened, and like that's awful. But then you got to go to a guy that's you know a backup tight end that also maybe snaps as a hobby, and. we saw what that what that does. Like you could see well, I, the, the extra point, the snap was fine. They and Darren Simmons even said it like they blocked that up so bad to oh. let the inside guy free like that to let Minka Fitzpatrick free like Drew Samples. It's basic high school. Like I have a friend that's a high school football coach. Like that's basic high school football coach. You block everybody wide. Like you never let that guy come free like that. Uh, Pat McAfee who knows a little bit about uh, special teams in the kicking game uh, was talking about, it and he's like, he was like, said he was going to get into the NFL films uh, locker to pull up some uh, extra points just to be in field goals, just to show like a, a compilation of how close people get on, on perfectly executed oh, yeah. uh, point afters. Like it's, you know, within centimeters sometimes no, like no of, seconds, right and if you watch like the snap the snap was fine uh it just wasn't at necessarily as quick like i, I made the comment that normally yeah, a little on, bit like, of a, like lollipop to it yeah like normally on on like point after snaps back that kind of thing like the camera angle like it almost appears like the ball goes and just like teleports back to the holder and on that one you could kind of see it with like like you said like a lollipop back and i was like oh no and then yeah. make a fit when you put that together with the fact that no one like no one even touched make yeah, a like, like drew sample whiffed 100 percent. and on he that. wasn't like coming around the edge and diving like he was not the outside guy yeah he was he was inside already and and even still he barely got his fingertips on it the ball still went forward yeah it it still kind of had a chance and so, I mean, you're talking about just like these little things that were thrown off, and then obviously, like kicking the field goal uh, on third down, and it being such a high snap, you wonder, like, as far as like Huber goes, like, why don't you just like take that one and and you know fall forward on it, you know, try to get a couple yards because you're on third down, then you can maybe reset this up again. I don't know. And, and to McPherson's credit, he did. He said like, oh, I just. Yeah, he's still, you know. And, and like back to Pat McAfee, he said, because like everybody's, I know Aaron brought up, there was a whole movie based on Laces Out. Laces and out. Um, <laughs> McAfee explained like the ball where the laces are is actually quite a bit softer to kick than the other side of the ball because of the way it's constructed on the inside and it wraps around the foot a little more. And some like kickers sometimes have a chance to adjust to that because it, the snap is normal, not high. And whereas like on this one, the snap was high. He caught it, and as soon as he put it down, his foot hit it. Yeah, he um, didn't have time to spin it. He, he couldn't. Well, he couldn't spin it, and he couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, McPherson couldn't adjust 
he likened right. it to golf. So since this is sponsored by uh, the Royal yeah. Links Golf Tours, uh, when you you know if you're hitting a drive and you keep the club face on the ball a little too long, you're likely to hit a beautiful snap hook and uh, end up in the tree somewhere. So it was a comedy of errors. At the end of the day, the Bengals still had a chance to win as bad as they played. Um, I don't expect that they'll play that bad, um, hopefully. No, I mean, <laughs> At 4 o'clock today. I don't expect Joe Burrow to have five turnovers, um, and they're playing a backup quarterback. So, mm. and, you know, that's that has it been an last... issue for them in the past, but uh, <laughs> this defense does seem to be pretty good. I do want to make sure that we we, ac- we accidentally jumped a step. Let's Let's run through some – some Bearcats in the NFL from week one. Sauce had a pretty good week. Sauce was good. Stunner. I think he had, right. what, 38 coverage, co- 38 coverage snaps. Like one and completion eight. for eight yards. Yes. And uh, one uh, really nice PBU on Mark Andrews. Um, Alec Pierce, rough rough first week, dropped touchdown and got a concussion. Yeah. Not so. out, out this week. Um, Is he out this week? Yeah, he's out. <laughs> Uh, Travis Kelsey touchdown in their opener against the Cardinals. And then I don't remember, did he have a touchdown against the Chargers on Thursday night? I can't remember. Uh, I think it, it was the first, I think the first touchdown they scored was to him. First one was to him. Yes. Um, obviously Forrest. Desmond Ritter not playing yet. Uh, Derek Forrest, huge game. I think what was he first or second rated safety on PFF this week? Uh, he's, a, he's a starter now. Had an interception, had a forced fumble, a bunch and of tackles. The forced, the forced fumble apparently um, ruined the the over on Etienne's receiving yards because oh, he no. was, he was <laughs> he was over uh, on on that catch put him over his receiving yards, but because it was a reception and then a fumble that he knocked back like fifteen yards, yeah, it went. and he lost those receiving yards and then and then some, so it put him in the under. That's a bad beat right there. Yes. Kelsey had five catches, 51 yards, no touchdowns. No touchdowns. No touchdowns. Against, against the Chargers. Hmm. I thought he had one, but I was wrong. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I'm just, I'm super interested to just see what happens with Sauce as the year goes on. Um, well, he, I mean, he's going to run into some pretty decent receivers. <laughs> what, starting next week? Don't they play the Bengals or something? Yeah. Uh, do they play? They don't play. Do they play the Bengals? Is it next week? Is it next week? Aaron, do you have that? I'm. Uh, I'm. But, but that's going to be uh, one of those ones where, like, you know, you're going to have like wherever he moves on the field, you know, he's going to be lined up against. Yes, next week. Next week, so he's going to be lined up against. You know, obviously, probably Jamar, and then you know, if they move him off that over to T, I can't imagine that they'll move him necessarily off of. I don't know. I mean, he's going to play on, stay on the outside, and they've they've moved Jamar line. To, they're you know moving him into the slot more to create yeah you know because everybody's going to play Some cover two and, and shade to him. But um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see who else. I think Kobe had a Kobe had a rough. Yeah, I'd gotten a, a message at some point that he had got just gotten burned for a touchdown on. Over the weekend, so yeah, uh, Jer- Jerry Judy kind of kind of ran by him for one. Uh, one that I did want to look at was he's been getting some got some 
run in the preseason. He did not get Mike Boone did not get any carries for the Broncos uh, the other night. He got he had a one catch for two yards, but he had he had a nice nice preseason. It's kind of there, I guess third running back. Um, I know uh, I heard I heard uh, some some rumblings on some of the these NFL shows. Like there was one they were going down. They were just like listing quarterback names off. Yeah, a uh, when they said Mariota, they were like, "Nah, bad vibes. Get him out of there." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, get him out of there. Bring Des yeah. in. Give Des." They just... they played pretty well. They probably, I mean, they had some some interesting things on their end. Keep them from getting a win. Self self uh, inflicted, I would say, from a coaching standpoint. But they were giving it to the Saints pretty good. Uh, but no, I think that. Uh, I think that about covers it. There weren't too many high, high level, you know, performances. Josiah DeGuar had two catches for 28 yards against the Vikings for the Packers. I mean, outside of Derek Forrest, like sealing the game off and kind of like there wasn't anything that like that. And obviously like, I hate to say, I was gonna say, I hate to say what sauce did wasn't like extraordinary, but it's one of those right. things like it yeah. comes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. It's like, you know, Bearcat fans kind of expect those. Uh... Jason Kelsey anchored a line that ran for 216 yards and four touchdowns. Their podcast is awesome. The Lions. The Kelsey Brothers podcast. Yeah. It's pretty good. Nice. They go, they go back and forth. And uh, I saw Tra- the, or what Travis was wearing, like a UC. Like the hockey jersey. Taking this thing this week. Yep. Oh. Yeah. We'll see. We got the Bengals and the the Cowboys today against uh well, well afternooner. I like I like those. The the four thirty. It, it is yeah. good because my uh my other son has a soccer game at two, so I will be I'll be there, but it will be wrapped up long before the Bengals start playing, which is excellent and not like right in the middle of the game. I hope I hope you get a big win. They won't. No, not not good. <laughs> uh it's you know uh, not like like seven on seven first grade soccer, second grade oh, wow. soccer. So it's a lot of like the ball is there. So everyone on the field is there. <laughs> Bribing with some, something for goals. Oh no. He, he, he gets his Minecraft coins or whatever. Like he, he gets, <laughs> and he's like one of the bigger kids out there. I tried to get him to play football this year and he was like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to play football, but then he was at his brother's game yesterday, like smashing into the sled. So maybe, maybe next year, maybe next year, maybe next year, maybe next year. But, uh, but I think that about does it. I'm going to be back in, back in Nippert this week. It's going to be rough because we're going to have three games in a row in Cincinnati, which will, even though one is not a home game, then we're going to go for a little bit without a, you know, we're back to like the rotation moving forward. But thank you again, everyone, for joining. We really appreciate it. Having a lot of fun. Thanks for interacting. Uh, please make sure. I think everything is back up and running normally with iTunes. So if that's where you listen to this, please check us out. Rate, subscribe to our YouTube page. Give us a review. Everything helps. And we will see you again next Sunday for another edition of Bearcat Brunch. <laughs>